0: Good morning. So I am glad to be able to be with you guys here today in Voorhees and also at Mount Laurel as well. It's always fun. We can get to be two places at once. That's a very exciting thing. So what we have been talking about um, is a series. We're in the midst of a series called The Way. And uh, really, this series is running for the entire length of the fall. Um, And what we are uh, looking at right now is just one piece of that. So we, as we were planning this, we thought, hey, this is really important because, you know, Jesus says pretty much like, hey, guess what? I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. Um, And so as Christ followers, it's really important for us to look at what that really means to be in the way. Um, And a big part of that is prayer. It's something that Jesus did all the time. It's something that he instructed his disciples to do. It's something he did for his disciples. And so um, we wanted to really dig in and look at what this means. So over the past few weeks, we've looked at what prayer is, what it means to pray, how we can do it. Um, And just last week, Pastor Jeff talked here in Voorhees about the fact that prayer is really this ongoing conversation with God. It just happens throughout your day. Um, And Pastor Rick, for those in Mount Laurel, talked about that. And he even said, hey, you know what? God has a texting phone number. See what you missed? You didn't know that, did you? God, you can text God. So if you missed that, you need to check out the podcast where he gives you all the good details about how you can text God. But what I love about that is that it really is an example of that kind of intimacy, that friendship, that closeness that God wants to have with us, that it really is an extension of our everyday, that we can talk to God as easily as we can shoot a text to a friend or family member. Um, And that is an awesome way to look at it. Now, some of us, are really great communicators with our friends. Some of us are really good about keeping in touch. We're really good about keeping people up on what's going on in their lives. I have to admit, I am not the greatest at this. I find that the everyday seems to get in my way. and. I am blessed to work in a building with a few of my absolute best girlfriends in the whole wide world. But it can be three or four weeks, and we'll realize we really haven't talked. Now, my husband doesn't believe me, but I swear it's true. We can go three or four weeks without really having connected on a deeper level. Stuff is happening on their lives, stuff is happening in my lives, but we're missing each other. So there are five of us, and between the five of us, um, there are 17 children, five husbands, and somewhere around eight jobs. So we're busy, and we're running in a whole lot of separate directions. And so we found something to help that. It's my new favorite app in the whole wide world, and it's called Marco Polo. Now, I have to put a disclaimer out here. Really, it is Christine Graves, the director of Family and Children's Ministry, who um, turned me on to this. And she said, I want full credit. So she gets full credit. Good job, Chris. Um, And actually, separate aside, even more of an aside. they, she started using it because her small group that had been together for a number of years had members who were leaving. One woman was moving to Hawaii, another woman was um, moving to Korea. And you can't just like FaceTime when you're living in these places. The time, like the time difference is really prohibitive in that kind of situation. So they discovered um, Marco Polo. And so they can actually Marco Polo their small group and these other ladies can catch up on it and then Marco Polo back. So what is. I love that, by the way. FYI, just as a small groups person, really, really cool. Good job. Good job, ladies. Um, But I love it, and this is what we have taken to doing. So you can see up there, I, you know, this was last weekend. I was at Wesley Seminary in D.C., and I was just sharing with my girlfriends my, um, you know, my Starbucks coffee as I was sitting and waiting for class to begin, and my children make fun of me terribly, and they're probably climbing under the seat right now because they think I'm, I'm, like, really, really old because I enjoy this kind of thing. But um But this is great. So it has become the way that we can kind of keep in touch. So I can, you know, Marco Polo them from the car, I don't look at them, but they can see me and I can say, hey, you know, here's what's going on, oh my gosh, you should have heard what happened at Walmart, it was awful, blah, 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 blah. And then at their convenience, they can check it and Marco Polo back. And so I can hear what's going on with them and and we're able to keep in touch in that way. Um, And I actually started using it with a really good friend of mine who, we've been friends for over 20 years, but about 16 years ago, they moved out to Lancaster, PA. I moved back down here, and so we do not keep in touch the way we should. Lots of time can go in between our opportunities to talk. And you know how once that time starts to build up, it's kind of like, where do you start? You know, I'll want to pick up the phone and say, oh my gosh, Carrie, you're not going to believe it. The dog needs surgery. And then I realize she doesn't even know we have a dog. You know, or, or hey, this happened with the kids at school and you're not gonna believe it, but she doesn't know the three things that happened leading up to this. And so the communication just kind of stops because we just don't have time to bring everybody up to speed and, and that gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger the longer the time goes. sometimes we're kind of like that with God. You know, that that time has stretched on, and it's been a while since we really talked to him, at least not super personally, and where did we begin? But the good news is, God is not driving 17 children all over the place. He does not live in Lancaster, PA. He is right with us all the time we don't have to catch him up he's been there we just need to start the conversation again we just need to reach out just need to talk to him and i have to tell you i love picking up my phone and seeing that little badge over my Marco Polo app that says that I have messages waiting for me. I love to hear what silly or ridiculous thing their children did, or who made them nuts, or what incident they had at Walmart, or whatever it is. I get really excited, even if it's just kind of droning on about whatever. I love it. I love that I get to be a part of their day. And that's me, selfish, imperfect, self-centered me how much more is God just waiting to hear from us just waiting to hear what's going on in our day just tell me, I want to hear from you it's a very exciting thing love being able to tell them the big things and the small things and that's what God wants from us, too. What are the big things that are going on in your life? But also, what are the small things that are going on? You know, a lot of times, I think we get hung up on that. We think, oh, I, you know, I, I don't need to pray about that. You know, God, that's, God's got bigger things on his mind. You know, like, he, just, he doesn't need to worry about my daily, you know, nitty-gritty in and outs. World peace, near-death experiences, absolutely, I'm all over it. But the little things, you know, the fact that, you know, my kids are making me crazy or my husband's on my last nerve or I'm on his, those things, I'm not going to bother him with that. He's too busy. But that's not what the Bible tells us. And it's not what Jesus showed us. Throughout his time on earth, he prayed constantly about everything. We're always hearing about him taking time apart, setting time aside to talk to his father. And certainly we see the examples where he pours out his heart over the big issues. But we also see him in the everyday talking to his father, communicating what's next, Lord. What do you have for me next? In fact... The disciples say the same thing to him. They say, you know, God, what are we going to do? How are we going to know what to say? You know, when people are mean to us or persecute us, or they say things, what are we going to do? How am I going to know what to do and what to say? And he says to them, "Don't, don't be afraid. Stop worrying. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He's saying, listen, guys, I got this. I can handle the sparrows. I know how many hairs are on your head. I can handle your daily stuff. I promise. He's got this. Philippians 4, 6. Now, if you're someone who's ever wrestled with anxiety at any point in time, this is probably a verse that has been quoted to you, or maybe even one that you rely on and quote regularly. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, we're going to look at a couple different scripture today, but honestly, this one, this one scripture verse is so jam-packed, we could stay here the whole time because there is just so much to unpack out of this as we get going. To, to give you a little context, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. Now, the church of Philippi holds a very special place in Paul's heart. They were a bunch of misfits. They were troublemakers who found Jesus and began to follow, and this beautiful church emerged. This is a church that sacrificed for Paul, that cared for Paul in his trials, and that's where we find him right now. So he is coming from a church. He, is, he has been detained. He's not able to get back to Philippi. They have sent people to attend to him while he is, we believe, in prison in Asia, and he has heard about some of the trials that this church in Philippi is going through. So they're being persecuted by the outside. They've got some turmoil within. They're trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus in today's culture? What does it mean to be a Christ follower in the situations we're surrounded by today? And the reality is they don't always agree on what that means and how that looks. And so there's some inner turmoil going on. And this is what he writes to them. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So let me ask you honestly, when you face a difficulty, whether small or large, What is your initial response? I know what mine is. It's to worry. Well, okay, let's not call it worry since it's pretty explicit that we're not supposed to worry. I prefer to call it uh, planning, strategizing, controlling. I do really like to control situations. I do really like to feel like I have some say about the outcome. I may even like to control some people. But the reality is, as I am trying to manage and control situations, I'm creating my own anxiety. I'm trying to control things I have no business trying to control. If I'm honest, those really big situations, they do drive me to my knees first. Because I recognize immediately that this is way over my head. This is above my pay grade. There is no way I can handle this situation. So for me, the answer is quick. Okay, yes, I got to pray about this because I have no idea what to do. But it's the less than huge situations that tend to trip me up. They're the ones that I think I can manage, that I think I have some control over, and that usually end up with me, with my back against the wall, wondering how on earth it got this bad. Because I tried to control I worried, and I didn't bring my things to God as they happened. So, what is it we're trying to control? I have someone say to me recently, you know, as soon as they feel that anxious feeling come on, they stop and they think, all right, what am I trying to control? Am I trying to control my kid, my spouse, someone's perceptions of me? What is it that I am trying to control that I should not be controlling? So God wants us to bring every situation to him. Not just world peace or threat of death, but every situation. The big stuff and the small stuff. And how does he tell us to come to him? He says to come with prayer and petition. Another translation says, with prayer and supplication. And I like that one because it made me look it up. And supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly and humbly. To me, that's that picture of being completely at your wit's end, recognizing that there is Nothing left within you, and it has got to be Him. And you are begging Him to act. That's that picture of supplication when we realize our complete and total need for Him. But we fight getting there, don't we? We don't want to get that far. That feels out of control, that feels weak, and it feels scary. And when we get there, it's scary because we recognize we're going to have to accept his answer. And we may not like his answer. You've heard the expression, uh, I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah, it's not good. But we use it because we would. We don't want to hear no. We don't want the powers that be to tell us that their way is better than our way. So we're just gonna say I'm sorry after the fact because we're that sure that our way is the better way. We're like that with God a lot. I'm just gonna do what I want, Lord God, and you're gonna have to work it out, right? when we get to the point when we are willing to say your answer is the only answer I want it is a place of peace and surrender because we recognize that really there are only three answers we can possibly get yes no no or wait. Now, yes, woohoo! that's great. We love yes, we like yes. When yes is confirmation, you are on the right path, you are doing the right thing, you are headed the right direction, and God has got this. Now look, yes can be really scary too, and it's not easy. But we're not gonna talk about yes today. <laughs> we're gonna put yes to the side for a minute, and we're gonna talk about the other two answers. We're gonna talk about no, and wait because in reality those are the two that keep us from going to God those are the two that keep us from going to him and saying your will be done those are the two that we don't want to hear because they're hard but the reality is that's where our faith grows that's where God refines us, and we get to know him better. Now, we are in good company. The Bible is full of times that God said no or wait to people. In fact, Paul himself, in a letter this time to the church in Corinth, talks about situations where he was broken. He starts out his letter in 2 Corinthians saying, guys, it is bad. I mean, it is bad. Bad, 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 bad. It is really bad here right now. In fact, he says, it is so bad that they were despairing of life. This is too hard. But that's not where he leaves it. No, instead he says, hey, I hope you can all feel like this too. Because he says, it is in those places that we meet God the Comforter. It is in those places that God offers us his compassion. In fact, in those five verses, Paul uses the Greek word paraklesis. 10 times. Now this word translates to God's consolation, comfort, solace. 10 times he tells them about God's compassion and how amazing it is. So much so that he hopes that they will walk through hard times so that they can come to know it. And later, in speaking to the same church, Paul starts to talk a little more personally. He tells them that he has a thorn in his side. He calls it a messenger from Satan sent to torment him. Now, we don't know what this is. Lots of biblical scholars have hypothesized. Some people believe that he was losing his sight. Others believe that he was tormented with depression. We don't really know what it is, and that's okay. What matters is that whatever he was wrestling with was enough to bring him to the brink and to call out to God to please take this away from me. And he begged time and again and again. God's answer was no. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. my power is made perfect in weakness see god seems to have a plan even in the know and here's the thing that paul learned that through these experiences he got to know god in a whole new way He got to be with God, be comforted by God, and depend wholly upon him. You see, an answer of no does not equate to God's absence. Instead, it points to his presence. When we have heard a no, we can expect to see God show up in big ways. Because that no often finds us at our weakest points. And that is when God's power is at its greatest. But that leaves weight. I don't know about you, but I think that weight thing really stinks. It's probably my least favorite of all. I mean, no is bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't like no's. But at least with a no, I know that God's pointing me in another direction. Not this, but this, right? No, we're gonna move this way. Okay, I can close that door and move this way. But this wait thing, this wait thing, when you're in wait, there is nothing you can do but wait. And waiting is hard. And waiting is long. And waiting can feel really lonely. So what do we do when we find ourselves in the wait? Well, Philippians 4, 6 tells us to keep praying. Pray and petition, it says. Keep coming. Jesus gives us an example of this in Luke. He talks about the uh, parable of the persistent widow. And he says, there is this judge. Now, this judge is no friend of God and no friend of man. So basically, he's in everything for himself. It's all about him, his power, his prestige, right? And there is a widow who has been wronged, and she's been wronged by an adversary. And she goes before this unjust judge, and she says, your honor, I need justice. Take care of my adversary. And the judge says, hmm hmm, widow, no real standing, it's not going to get me anything. Ah, nope, nope, sorry, denied, see you later. But she doesn't go away. Instead, she comes back again and again and again, each day demanding, judge, take care, I need justice, take care of this, I need justice. Again and again, and eventually he's like, fine, oh my gosh, yes, justice. You guys have toddlers? Might be familiar with that. If teenagers. And Jesus goes on to say, How much more will a just and loving Father provide for you? How much more? So we keep coming in prayer. Over the summer, we did an online study on Mark Batterson's uh, book, The Circle Maker. And um, basically, the gist of The Circle Maker is persistence in prayer. It's kind of this whole topic, this idea of continuing to pray for things. And part of that um, online study was a 21-day prayer challenge. And this was awesome for me. So I, um, I have to admit that sometimes my prayers might sound a little bit like what it sounds like when you pick your kids up after school. You know, that whole, hey, how was your day? Fine. Well, what did you do? Work. How was that math test? I don't know, I didn't get it back. Good talk, good talk. I feel like that might be how God feels about me sometimes, you know? Heather, how are you doing? Oh, fine. This is hard. Can you help that? Thank you. Yeah, I need a little more help here. All right. Amen. But this 21-day prayer challenge made me look at things a little bit different because it was just one thing I had to pray about for 21 days. So I had to be praying differently. And so since I live with two students and a teacher, and this was August, my prayer was school right? My prayer was for school starting. And so each day I would pray about a different aspect of that. Hey, I know they've got anxiety about the bus. Lord God, be there. I know they're worried about their teachers. Be there. I know he's worried about his students. Be there. And each day was a different way of approaching that same topic. And what I found I was having a deeper intimacy with God. I was having better conversations with him than I'd had in a while. Because I was being persistent. Persistence causes deeper intimacy. Now the second thing that we can do when we're sitting in the wait, we find from David in the Psalms. And this Psalm specifically is addressing what to do when you're waiting. And so Psalm 313 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will act. So what do we do? Keep on keeping on. We do good. We continue to serve him. We take delight in Him. Now, how do you take delight in something? Think about a child. You take delight in them, you are sitting on the floor, you are giggling with their giggles, you are enjoying being with them. That's how it works with God too. We delight in Him by spending time with Him. When we hear a no that we don't wanna hear, or when we hear a wait, our natural inclination is to withdraw. I didn't hear what I wanted to hear, so I'm pulling back. I'm going to sulk a little bit. I'm to lick my wounds a little bit. I'm not sure that I can trust you because you didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. But what we see is that we're supposed to be doing the exact opposite. We're supposed to be delighting in him. We're supposed to be drawing closer to Him, surrounding ourselves with people who are also searching Him out, spending time with Him in groups, in the Bible, in the worship music we listen to, immersing ourselves in Him, taking delight in the Lord, committing our ways to the Lord, and He will act. And what does it say the results of this are? He will give you the desires of your heart. My friends, that is the best gift we could ever be given. And I'm not talking about the getting everything you ever wanted. No, it's better than that. I am talking about the transformation that occurs when what we want is what he wants. There's no room for anxiety there. There is no room for fear or jealousy. When the desires of our heart are his desires, that is freedom. So when you are in the wait and those anxious thoughts start to creep back in and we start to want to take control back, we start to fight against that waiting process, take a moment. Replace those anxious thoughts with prayer. Ask him to grant you more trust, deeper faith, wisdom, Ask him to transform the desires of your heart. Because ultimately, as Christ followers, that is where our peace lies. When our desires are his desires. When we make that decision and we say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. We are saying your will, not mine. And no matter how great I think my plan is, and I really like my plans, I have learned, I am learning, day by day, that his plans are so much better than mine. So much better. He tells us that in Isaiah. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Surrendering our agenda for his. And this may mean that the situation we want removed doesn't change. And it might mean that the healing we're looking for Doesn't come this side of heaven. We may not see the why to the questions that we're asking. But we do learn to trust Him. We can trust that He is faithful and that He will bring good things out of those. Things that even the enemy intended for evil. It brings us full circle back to Philippians. We're going to read it again, but this time we're going to add in verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I know that some of you are in the thick of the weight right now. And I know some of you have heard a no that you did not want to hear. It is hard. And it does not feel good. But he is good take it to him tell him about it do you need his peace in accepting it ask he promises to give it do you need his peace in the waiting he's faithful but keep praying Keep begging, keep petitioning, and he will transform our heart's desires to his. Sometimes prayers change circumstances, but always, always, prayers change us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just call us to come to you with the big things, but that you also call us, Lord, to share the little nitty-gritty details of our everyday lives. And God, forgive us that sometimes we think it's too much for you. Lord, truly we know there is nothing that you can't handle. And that the relationship you want with us, Heavenly Father, is not distant, or infrequent, but instead intimate and daily. And so, God, hear us now as we take a moment in the silence, Lord, to lift to you some of those nitty-gritty things, Lord God, that perhaps we haven't been sharing with you. And, God, you know that there are those big things There are those things in our lives, Lord God, that are heavier than we can possibly carry. And Lord, for some of us, it's something you've said no to, and for others, we're still waiting on you. But hear us now, Lord God, as we take a moment and we lift those things and ask you to carry them. Ask you to give us peace about them. And God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you, Lord God, that you will never forsake us, that you are faithful unto us. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to grant us peace as we seek after you. In Jesus' name, amen.